Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You're going to see another word, the word called. Paul has been called by God to do a certain thing. You've been called by God. I've been called by God to do certain things. God has a plan for us. So Paul says, while I'm becoming like Christ, I also want to be able to accomplish all that God has set for me. I don't want to fall short of it. I want to finish the calling that God has for me. Did you ever think that you had a calling from God? Did you think that only missionaries or pastors were called by God? Well, Pastor Mark will be teaching that every Christ follower has a calling. Actually, we may have two callings. Our initial call to follow Jesus, and then the calling to fit into the part of the body of Christ where we belong. We will learn that, as in the life of the Apostle Paul, both of these callings are lifelong pursuits— We will get frustrated as we fall short on occasion, but just like Paul did, we need to look at these quests as marathons rather than sprints. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 3 with part 1 of his message, Forgetting My Past. If you uh, are new, we study the Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, just raise your hand and turn to the book of Philippians. You say, well, I'm not going to take a Bible because I have no clue where to turn. Right here's your cheat sheet. The book of Philippians. You'll see where it is. Easy to get to. New Testament. It's right halfway, basically, through the New Testament. So just keep turning. Just keep turning. You'll find it. New Testament starts with Matthew and then you go right through to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Now, I want to ask you a question today. Boomers. Boomers were born between 1946 and 1964. How many boomers we have in our congregation? There they are. Okay. Well, one of the things with boomers was this. They always had this never-look-back attitude. They weren't interested in the past. They were always looking forward. But a very interesting article just came out in the USA Today, and it was about these boomers that are in their 50s and 60s, and they had some regrets of the past. Now, they never focused on the past, but they wished they'd have done a few things different. And I have a list for you of what was in this article. There was different people just saying, well, we wish we'd learned this earlier. Number one, here's some regrets. The stock market can go down as well as up. They learned that too late. By the way, let me ask you a question. Can the house market go down as well? Okay, I'm not going to talk about that more. Here's the second one they learned. Here was a regret. They learned it too late. Your home equity line should not be used as your personal ATM. 
Number three, youth doesn't last forever. Could I hear an amen with that right there? Amen. If you can raise your hand. Youth doesn't last forever, but old age can be delayed by moving more and eating less. Like there's no amens with that. What's the deal? There should be. Last, our parents weren't blowing smoke when they said, live within your means and save for a rainy day. You see, today the Apostle Paul is going to talk about our past. All of us have pasts. And Paul is really going to talk about how to get past your past. He's going to tell us we need to look back at our past and how to let go of it so that we can move forward. Now, remember the book of Philippians was written in the year about 62 AD by the Apostle Paul. He's in prison in Rome, writing back to a city called Philippi. Today it's in Greece, where he started a church. And he's writing some amazing principles for this church to know how to better minister and serve and live for God. We begin in verse 10. Paul says this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of of sharing in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, Paul is a goal setter. Jesus was a goal setter. And you're going to see some goals that Paul has. Actually, I'm a goal setter. And Paul is going to mention some goals. And right here in those two verses, there is one key goal here, and then a secondary goal has. What was the key goal says? The key goal that Paul says was this. He wanted to know Christ better in every way. It wasn't knowing about Christ. It was a personal intimacy Paul wanted to know about Christ. Intimately knowing him and discovering how Christ worked. You see, there's one thing about knowing about somebody, but there's another thing that really knowing them intimately Yesterday, I had an opportunity to go and do renewal vows for a couple celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. Now, would you say they know more about each other today than they did 60 years ago on their wedding night? (laughs) Yeah. By the way, would you say it's still tough to be married after 60 years? Say amen. Just say amen, because it is. It is. So what Paul is saying is, I want to know Christ. I want to know how he functioned. I want to think like he thought. I want to minister like Christ ministered. And I want to be the person just like Christ was. So he wanted to know Christ and to live his character, to minister like him, and to be able to have the thought process because as we think, so we become. So that was Paul's major goal. It was a lifelong goal. But there was a secondary goal that was with it. What was the secondary goal? Paul wanted to be and do all that God had planned for him. You're going to see another word, the word called. Paul has been called by God to do a certain thing. You've been called by God. 
I've been called by God to do certain things. God has a plan for us. So Paul says, while I'm becoming like Christ, I also want to be able to accomplish all that God has set for me. I don't want to fall short of it. I want to finish the calling that God has for me. So those two goals are the very same goals that I have for you. And that you should have for yourself. Number one, to know Christ intimately. To know more about him than you've ever known before. To be like him. To minister like him. To think like him. And number two, as you look at your life, to be able to accomplish what he's called you to do. Now the next verse... Paul gives himself a progress report. He looks at his life and he says, how am I doing in these two areas? I want you to look at your own life and we'll begin to do a progress report on ourselves. So take a look. Verse 12. Paul says, not that I've already obtained all this, those two goals, or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Here's what Paul says. After serving Christ for so many years, Paul says this, I've not yet arrived. I haven't accomplished everything that I wanted. I haven't reached my goals. Now, Paul is not ashamed to say, I'm not satisfied with my spiritual growth and maturity. There's more left for me to do. Now, he didn't do it with a negative kind of deal. He didn't go like, oh, I can't achieve, I didn't make it, might as well just forget it. I tried all these lines, forget it. There's no way to make it. No, no, no. He was very positive. He knew he hadn't achieved everything, but he wanted to keep growing and progressing. Because notice, notice what he says. But I press on. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I know I haven't got there yet, but I'm going to press on to become all that God has for me. See, Paul lived with a best-to-come mentality. He was excited about the future. Now, it caused him a little bit of tension. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, notice the tension that Paul has. Paul says this, I'm torn between two desires. Number one, I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. In other words, he wanted to go to heaven. By the way, if, if you don't want to go to heaven, you don't understand heaven. Heaven is perfection. Heaven is perfect. You get a new body, you get a new mind, you get everything. It's great. It's awesome. No pain, no suffering, no death, no problems. Heaven. Who wouldn't want to go to heaven? Paul says, I want to go. But notice, he says this. But for your sakes, for the church, and the churches that he was writing to, it's better... That I continue to live, which means I continue to live here on earth. Why? Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. That is why I'm here this morning. That's why any of us are still alive. It's to accomplish what God has for us. So my goal for you today, as is any pastor that speaks to you from this pulpit, 
Our goal is so that you will continue to grow spiritually, all of you, and you will continue to experience the joy of serving Jesus Christ. So what Paul was saying leads us to the very first thing I want you to write this morning. Here it is. Number one, a sign of spiritual maturity is our desire to keep growing and progressing. See, a person that's mature knows they haven't arrived. A person that's mature knows there's more for them to do. So they're going to go for it. They're going to press forward. Now, the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about immature believers. I already told you about one sign of an immature believer. That when a certain person isn't speaking, the person they want to hear isn't speaking, then they forget it, go home. Well, that's very immature. Childish baby. But a sign of a mature person is one who goes, doesn't matter who's speaking. I want to hear what God says through them because it's God speaking to us anyway. So as you think about maturity, is this a sign in your life today? This is a moment to stop and think. Is there a desire in you to be more like Christ? Is there a desire in you to accomplish all that God has for you? Or are you just like, I'm going to heaven, Pastor Mark. Get off it, would you? I'm comfortable where I'm at. Well, then you'll never accomplish what God wants for you. So there's an amazing principle that Paul is speaking about as he looks at that. Now, when you think about what we've achieved in our life, what you've achieved, what I've achieved for God, because of God, Paul gives us a challenge. He's still alive. He's still doing things for God. Well, I stopped yesterday and I wrote, what had Paul achieved so far? What had Paul done in his life since coming to Christ? Let me give you a little list. Right after his conversion on the road to Damascus, shortly afterward, Paul spent three years one-on-one with Jesus in the deserts of Arabia. He was being discipled by Jesus himself. Next, Paul began missionary journeys. Three of them to Asia Minor and Europe, where he planted churches all over the place and evangelized much of his world. Next on these journeys, what did he do? Well, he discipled and taught believers and he mentored young pastors. He would take young pastors alongside with him and they would travel with him so that when he left and when he did die, he could leave those young pastors over the churches. And then... The church headquarters at that time was in Jerusalem. Later it changed. It was there. And they were having trouble figuring how to mesh Jewish people with new Gentile converts. How to do it. They called Paul in as a leader. And he gave them wisdom how to do it. On these missionary journeys, Paul also did amazing miracles. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He even raised the dead. And while he was doing all of this, this blows my mind, Paul wrote... Most of the books in the New Testament. What you're reading, Paul wrote. And then during all these three missionary journeys, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was stoned, he was mocked, he was in prison. And here he is in prison again in Philippi, writing the letter that you and I are studying today. And he's there. And what does he write? I haven't 
arrive spiritually yet. So let me give you an idea. This right here, this is all that Paul has accomplished in his life. So far. Where are you and I compared to that? My arms may not be long enough. (laughs) So here's Paul. Here's what he's accomplished so much. And what does Paul say? I haven't arrived yet. And here's you and me. Now, if Paul hasn't arrived. (laughs) Hello. If Paul hasn't arrived yet, what could you say this morning? I haven't arrived yet either. Would you just turn to your name and say, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. Now, what if Paul would have written this? What if Paul would have written this in his letter? I want to be like Christ. I want to achieve everything God has for me. And then the next verse, Paul writes this. I've done it. Thank you very much. How would you feel? You feel defeated. You feel like, well, I'm not Paul. Forget it. It's over with. I can't do it. Paul doesn't write that. He writes the truth. What he writes is that no one will ever reach perfection. So the second thing you want to write this morning is a huge key for all of us. Spiritual maturity is never defined by perfection. Spiritual maturity, the goal is continued progress. So when we think about being mature, achieving what God wants, it's never going to be complete. The day we die, we're still going to say, I haven't arrived yet. But my goal is to press on. My goal is to be as much as I can be with the help of God. One day, Solomon, the wisest man in the Old Testament, wrote in Proverbs 1.5, Let the wise listen and let them add to their learning. Sometimes what Paul is trying to say in the spiritual maturity, he's not arrived, is the same thing Solomon is saying. Solomon's saying is this, the word wise means someone who's very experienced. Well, Solomon says, those of us that are already very experienced in the things of God, Keep growing. Keep becoming wiser. Continue on. So God is really saying to all of us this morning, be teachable. Continue to grow. Now, how long do I have to grow and become more mature? How long do I do that? Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you are breathing this morning? How many are breathing this morning? Good. Anybody around you not breathing? If they're not, just have them raise their hand. And we have medical people. Which is, I'll come there and pop you right in the hot bed. I've done that before many times. It's been a while, but I could find it. Boom, I'll get you right going again. So if you're breathing this morning. Are you breathing this morning? You're breathing. If you're breathing, God isn't through with you yet. And part two, you haven't arrived yet. So the goal is to press on. That's exactly what Paul's saying. Now, to show us how to keep doing that, Paul gives us three keys today. I'm going to give you one of them. All three of these have to do with commitment. Here at Calvary Chapel, we have five core commitments as a church, all taken from the Bible. Let me show you the first one. This is exactly what Paul's saying. You and I have to commit to being a growing follower 
of Jesus Christ. It's not a side issue. It isn't something in the background. It should be a goal of your life. If you're going to be useful in our congregations and useful for God, you have to understand this one. Commit. In other words, it's something lifelong. It isn't something you do for three. Well, I'm going to take that six weeks course and then I'm done. No, 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 no. I'm going to commit to be a growing follower of Jesus Christ. So out of that, we get a little bit of an understanding what the progress report is. So how is Paul going to do this? And let me show you the first step. Let's look at verse 13. Brothers, sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In other words, I haven't arrived. You're just saying it a different way. But one thing I do. There's focus. Forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has, there's that word again, both words in verse 14. The goal has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So this week, step number one, Paul gives it to us. If I'm going to be growing and maturing, if I'm going to eventually achieve almost everything, never perfect, almost everything God has for me, what's the first step I have to do? Here it is. Step number one, write it down. Forgetting my past or letting go of my past. Now, in the New Living Translation, that verse 13 says like this. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Now, there's something very important because when you and I use the word forgetting, it is not how the Bible uses the word forgetting. When you and I use the word forgetting, we forgot our keys. I don't know where my keys are. The word in the Bible is very different. And if you'll understand this, the whole teaching will make sense to you. So you're probably going to have to write this down in a moment. We're not there yet, but you're going to have to write this down in your Bible. Warren Rearsby, great Bible commentator, gives us a definition that I couldn't ever improve on. Here's what it is. Please keep in mind that in the Bible terminology, to forget does not mean to fail to remember. Apart from senility, hypnosis, or brain malfunction, no mature person can forget what has happened in their past. We may wish that we could erase certain bad memories, but we cannot. So in other words, what Warren Risby says is, when the Bible uses the word forget, it doesn't mean, I don't remember that. I, I just don't even remember that bad incident in my life. We remember it. So what does it mean to forget or let go of the past? Here's a definition you want to write. Please write it down. This will free you from all kinds of issues. To forget, in the Bible term here means... No longer am I influenced by or affected by this memory. In other words, I know it happened in my past, but I'm no longer affected by it. I'm no longer influenced by that. Today we learned about some of the regrets baby boomers have as they approach the twilight of their lives. Pastor Mark taught that as Christ followers, we need to live our lives in such a way that, like the Apostle Paul, we're trying to be more like Jesus every day. Realizing 
that this is a never-ending pursuit, it's important for us to figure out what's holding us back to get rid of that stuff. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching on forgetting my past. We will continue to observe the writings of the Apostle Paul with particular attention to his comments on his walk with Jesus. From this, we will begin to understand what God means when he speaks of forgetting our past. We'll learn to put both our past successes and failures into a proper biblical perspective. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.